Hi, my name is Esther, and today we're going to be talking about the strange tale of Harrison E. Bailey. Keep listening to find out what the hell happened. Hi, welcome to What the Hell Happened. Today I am here with the darling Mavis. Hi. And the impeccable Mr. Lockwood. How'd you get here? Why are you here? I'm always here. Hello. I was wondering how this person got here all of a sudden. Pretty sure she got here in a car. (laughs) Yeah. No, I walked here. I teleported. (laughs) Somebody dumped her off on the side of the road. I saw saw a sign for free candy and free uh, petting meaner dogs, so. Well, you know, around us, there's all of those things are pretty frequently occurring. Oh. Sometimes all free at the same candy? time. Free candy, transporting, mm-hmm. walking, hitchhiking. I was told I'd be paid 10 pence every day here. So I'm expecting payment. Sounds to just like sit in front deal. of the microphone? Yep. <laughs> you will not be paid. Oh. <laughs> you guys want to hear our story? Yes. We think so. You Like maybe a good story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a little gun-shy from the last one. Hey, I was a real turd. <laughs> <laughs> Today I will be telling you about the strange tale of Harrison E. Bailey. And this is a picture of Harrison Bailey. Harrison Bailey grew up in Gary, Indiana, and was generally regarded as an energetic, soft-spoken, and respected by his peers and co-workers. In 1948, when Bailey was 21... He invented a way to earn a little extra money, in addition to his full-time job working at the Gary Steel Mills. His invention was a unique way to advertise for local businesses. Bailey painted a five-foot-tall tractor tire green and placed the advertisement in the center. Because his favorite hobby was walking, he would plan walking routes along highways rolling the giant tire along beside him for passersby to see. He'd sometimes walk upward of 15 miles a day from town to town. Wow. So they weren't like humongous highways and they weren't big. Like what, what, when I think of a highway today, it didn't no, look like that. No, not like Well, what you think yeah. of as a highway today is actually a super highway. So they weren't super highways. No, dude was not rolling a five-foot tractor tire <laughs> down a super highway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so he would walk up to 15 miles a day from town to town, rolling this. And people would pay him to put their advertisement in it and rolled along the highway so cars could see it as he walked by. I'll bet you he was in extremely good shape. Mm, I bet he was. He always wore green overalls, green shoes and socks, a hat, goggles, gloves, and a green backpack. He dressed like Luigi. (laughs) (laughs) He is kind of dressed like Luigi. I like that he had all this green gear on to match his tire. <laughs> he was dedicated. Very. Kind of like the people outside of uh, our washes who jump around with the signs or mm-hmm. like put in the bear suits for, I don't even know. I've just seen people in like chicken costumes and they're flipping a sign around or something. Don't lie. That's secretly your your extra job. Oh, yeah. I love getting super sweaty in chicken suits and flipping a sign around all day. <laughs> sweaty chicken suits. Getting yelled at by passerbyers. Better than hauling a tractor tire around. Yeah. I guess. I'm sure Mr. Bailey and his advertising tire were quite a sight to see. Mm. At least he has some ingenuity. 
Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, and get some exercise. At that's the same interesting. Time. I've never heard that before like that. Bailey became somewhat well-known for this gimmick, and movie theaters, soda companies, and even clothing stores hired Bailey. He would roll his advertising tire during holidays, vacations, and other downtime. It was during one of these advertisement hikes three years later in 1951 that Harrison Bailey's life would be impacted in more ways than one. On September 23, 1951, Bailey, now 24 years old, began his campaign hike in the morning from Gary, Indiana to St. Louis, planning to finish on the 26th. On this particular hike, he was advertising for his favorite baseball team, the St. Louis Browns. Do you, really quick, does it say, would he go into the same towns all the time, just different advertisements, do you know? Or like, I think it just would depend on where the person paying him wanted him to, what stretch of road he wanted him to go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense then. Mm-hmm. At the finish of this hiking tour, he would meet the owner of the team and, and be greeted by him. All was well the first day and night of this journey. On the morning of the 24th, he got on the road early around 6 a.m. heading along the more or less desolate highway. In front of him was a patch of woods that he estimated would only take him about 30 minutes to get through. As he approached the trees, he felt a burning and cramping sensation on the back of his neck. Keeping his pace, he glanced back over his shoulder and he saw what he described as a whirlwind. This phenomenon was small on the bottom and larger towards the top. It was rotating and had a grayish color to it. Sounds like a whirling dervish. The Tasmanian devil? Yeah. Or yeah. Like that's what that, I don't know why that just that reminded me of that. That is the Tasmanian devil. Yeah. You think the Tasmanian devil well, was fine? <laughs> well, because like every time in Looney Tunes, sometimes he shows up, there's like a tornado around him and then he like pops out of the tornado yeah so is that your theory for right now yep (laughs) you might have nailed it (laughs) (laughs) that was that was a really good impression did you summon him (laughs) what happened were you in the woods with harrison tasmanian devil no on his walks he had seen many many strange things he mostly ignored it but kept on his path to get to the next town of Jolie, about 25 miles away by sundown. The pain in his neck subsided. So he basically like looks over his shoulder, sees something weird in the sky, has a burning sensation in his neck, and then just is like, whatever. He was supposed to walk 25 miles before sundown, mm-hmm. but he was walking like 15 miles per day. Is that realistic to walk 25 miles in one day? Sure. Yeah. Hmm. If it's basically pretty easy walking, if you're not hiking, you know. He's also pushing a tractor tire, Mm -hmm. which how heavy do you think tractor tires are? Hundreds of pounds. Yeah. Hmm. And through the woods, I feel like there'd be hilly and there's leaves and twigs and stumps. Indiana's pretty pretty flat. He looks like he might be a pretty burly man. It doesn't say anything about his physique, but... My guess is keeping the tire rolling, if you can do it right, momentum. you can keep the momentum up and you probably go a little quicker than you'd walk. He could just like crawl inside the tire and roll in it (laughs) if he went down a hill. Yes. (laughs) Well, and that brings up a good point. At some point, he's going to have to go downhill. Like, how do we... 
where are the brakes on this guy? But also, I guess you, know? you got to get in front of it. If there's advertising in the middle, I guess he can't get in the center of the tire unless it's in one side. No, and you can't get in front of it to stop uh, it. You'll get run over. Yeah, you can. That yeah, but I think that'd be difficult to. I don't know. Yeah, hmm. I feel like you'd be forties. I can see this happening, but it's just like I can't. I don't. That's crazy. I don't know. It's it's like a performance. This guy would have to get in front of it and slow it down slowly without it running him over. I would have just let he, it roll down the hill and catch up with it later. If he was coming up on a hill, he'd have to slow it down. Do you think that if he was in the middle of the woods, he may have just let it go and then caught up with it at the bottom of the hill? I guess he could have just like kicked it down the hill and I picked it. it up at the bottom. But I don't know. I have lots of questions about this giant tire rolling and especially rolling through woods. How are we like dodging the trees? The, the logs. Yeah. It's how many just a well-worn path. How many small animals did we run oh. over? <laughs> <laughs> I have questions I'm about it. Completely fine with it. You are. Yeah. This sounds like something weird you would well, do. You it's know, really none of your business how he rolls the tire around. <laughs> it's it contributes to how true the story is. You know what, Mr. Lockwood? I'd like to see you take a big giant tractor tire and go 25 miles before sundown in the middle of the woods and stop it from rolling down the hill, then come back and report to me and tell me what happened. Why don't we just Why don't we just make a whole experiment about this? No. Why not? Because <laughs> I'm not up to it prove that it can't be done i'm i'm not i don't have i'm not built like that mm, dude uh, 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 <laughs> i'm not built like that i would not be able to push a big tire more than no, 10 feet well we'll make a mavis sized tire so like a tire off a tricycle <laughs> <laughs> like a off of like a hot wheel a hot wheel tire and send me off with food and water and i'll just roll in my tire for three days i guess it was now 11 a.m Suddenly, Bailey realizes that he is standing in the woods and staring at a massive silver object across the road near the edge of a field. It was round and sat quietly. He stood there, curious. A panel of the craft seemed to slide back and reveal what seemed to be a window. He was a hundred feet from the object and saw movement coming from inside. Bailey watched as two unusual-looking men stepped up to the window. They just stood there, staring back at him. What creeps? They wore what looked to be clear face shields that were tinted green, and their faces seemed to be distorted. Noticing that the craft had no wheels, Bailey decided it must be an airship of some kind. He was now feeling the same intense burning spasm that he had felt earlier, but he was now feeling it all over his body. Suddenly, one of the men spoke. Where are you from? he inquired. Bailey replied, Gary, Indiana. Where are you going? the other one asked. St. Louis, Missouri, said Bailey. I feel like if I bumped into two random people and they looked weird and they came out of a weird craft and the first thing they asked me is who are you and where are you from, I'd be very weirded out. That's, That's like, like something you ask someone at the grocery store or yes, like exactly. not it's in the middle of like nowhere. Definitely in the middle of nowhere. What the heck? It's like intergalactic stranger danger. You Hello. just don't yes. do it. Where are you from? Where, where are you headed? Where are you from? Yeah. That sounds like a kidnapping. Where are you headed? Are you with anybody? Do you like free puppies? <laughs> <laughs> this is literally how every country conversation starts. It is. Where are you from? Where are you going? 
Were they trying to pick because him up like a Because we're in the middle of nowhere. Are these country aliens? No, it's a friendly thing. Seems Where are you creepy. from? In the cities, they people go, "What do you do for a living? Oh, what do you? What's your job?" In the country, you go, "Where are you from? Where are you going? Where are you headed?" Because we know you're not hanging around here because there ain't nothing around here. Maybe they are just hanging out in the middle of nowhere. Why wouldn't their first question be, why are you rolling a giant green tire through the woods? That's what I'm saying. I feel like they could have asked a better question. You got to get the conversation going first. The friendliness. That's it. It's like, oh, what's your big tire for? Oh, I'm selling advertisements for people. Oh, that's cool. How much do you get paid? Like, can I sign you up for one of these? Also, we're completely neglecting the fact that they're aliens. (laughs) I understand that. But these lines of questioning is actually like a fairly common form of etiquette. I think think we're thinking too much into it. They just said, hey, who are you and where are you from? What you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Which way are you going? You need a ride? The 40s are a little different. And rural culture is a little different. So you're telling me, Esther, if a alien pulled up to the house and was like, hey, you want to come back to my crib and watch a show with me? You'd say no? Yeah, <laughs> I'd say no. <laughs> Unless they had puppies. So the two men looked at each other as if discussing something. As they turned to ask another question, Bailey now seemingly had been released from the paralysis he was under started his pace along the road again. He walked with a quick pace and only glanced back once. The ship remained in its spot and did not move. The details start ch- keep changing slightly in this he guy's re- story. Not he referred story. to it. I'm being skeptical here. I'm suspicious. And I feel like this whirlwind is never going to show up again. The whirlwind is the craft. Oh, okay. It said it was smaller at the bottom, larger at the top. It was silver and spinning. Okay. What else would that have been? It was a cone. I'm moving on. As he put distance between him and the craft, he began to feel the cramping again. But this time, not only in his shoulders, but in his arms, legs, and abdomen as well. He felt deeply fatigued and exhausted. He had done many walking tours before and had never felt like this even after walking for days. Don't tase me, bro. (laughs) That would be the symptoms of being tased. All your muscles locking up and then feeling really tired afterwards. Mm. (laughs) Okay. As he exited the other end of the woods, he noticed that the sky looked drastically different than it had when he entered. What he assumed was no more than 40 minutes ago. As he was walking, he realized by the position of the sun that it was now late in the afternoon. Feeling ill and drained, he wondered how he would make it in the 25 miles that he was supposed to have covered to the next town by nightfall. Luckily for Bailey, he happened across a very small railroad town. There was not a hotel, but the station master was kind enough to let him sleep in the depot for the night. You know, the reason why maybe it could appear to have been way late into the afternoon is maybe, even though it didn't feel that long when you see UFOs, I've read with people's, like, reports before that, like, it doesn't feel like a lot of time goes by, but then it's actually, like, a really long time. So, like, maybe whenever he was in that state, when he was in the field where he was paralyzed, like it was a lot longer than it actually was. 
Yes, I believe that is exactly what he was saying. What the heck happened? That is a good point, Mavis. He woke up the next morning, and as he headed out of town, he noticed a group of locals gathered on the side of the road watching him. As he approached, he could hear them muttering and was unsure whether or not they meant him harm. One of the men hollered, Hey you, did we see you get out of a flying saucer yesterday? Bailey quietly chuckled and said, No sir. He was baffled as to the question, but kept walking and rolling the wheel until he finally made it to his destination that evening. He never could account for his approximately six hours of missing time. So my theory about maybe something happening and it being erased from my memory could be correct then? I think it's really, really strange that these people like stopped him in the road and asked him if they saw him getting... They were like, did we see you getting out of a UFO? And I'm assuming this was a smaller town, too. Very small. Like, very, very small. In 1952, Harrison Bailey was drafted into the Army, but was plagued by constant pain in his abdomen. He was discharged two years later in 1954 and returned to his job at the steel mills in Gary. Over the next eight years, Bailey worked advertised for businesses, and was in and out of the doctor's office for abdominal pains that the doctor always claimed was just a nervous stomach. By 1963, his illness was now so bad that the doctors decided to operate for gallbladder issues. It was a simple surgery, however, the doctor had some questions for Bailey. The doctor candidly asked him what was going on inside his body. To which Bailey responded, what do you mean? Upset, the doctor accused Bailey of lying to him and revealed that while they were operating on him, they noticed that all of Mr. Bailey's organs were two to three times older than what his age suggested, being 35 at the time. The doctors brought in his wife and told her that her husband was in very poor condition. She filled them in on his work routine, his eating habits, and that he didn't use any drugs, drink, or smoke. The doctors were left clueless as to the cause. They ended up marking his medical charts as illness unknown. How would you be able to detect the age of someone's organs and why would that have been something they tested? It's like a reverse Benjamin Button. Too much Taco Bell. That shit will do that to you, yes. (laughs) I just, I'm like, all right, I don't know how you look at an organ and you go, oh, you got the kidneys of a 90-year-old. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like that's something you'd have to maybe, like, take a sample of, cut a very small piece of it, and test it, not something you could just... Well, they took his whole gallbladder out. It's 1950-whatever. It's like, they don't have... It's 1960s. CT scans. I know, but still, how can you just look at... Like you said, like, how can you look at someone's, like... You can x-ray them. That's about it. But how could you tell from an x-ray? I don't know. It's... it's They had him opened up. Because it's a lie, Mavis. It's a dirty, damned lie. That's how... So we know where you stand on your thoughts on this one. I've heard a tall tale or two in my life. I do do like that his organs are aging. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of my favorite part. I want to imagine like what an old 
you know they look like prunes <laughs> <laughs> oh. what's this tiny little raisin looking thing in here? <laughs> oh that's your heart <laughs> your lungs look like deflated whoopee cushions <laughs> <laughs> everything's like dry and powdery yeah. so uh, you think he has like hemorrhoids to his butthole his butthole's fallen out of his butt I don't. There's no. Doesn't that happen when you're old? Like, don't most old people have hemorrhoids? I don't think so. I feel like I hear about a lot of old people having problems with like, ha- like genuinely. Do you watch a lot it. of TV during the daytime? No, but I feel like that's just something I've heard a lot through my a lot throughout my life of old people Do like tell. having hemorrhoids. Like who? I can't exactly remember honestly where I've heard it from, but I feel like that's a it's a thing with old people having like bathroom issues. I don't think it is. Like you don't think they slowly lose control over their bowels? <laughs> Some people do. No, like, I feel like genuinely feel That's like... That's happening if, to me right now. I feel like when... Okay, like, the bladder of a teenager versus the bladder of, like, an 80-year-old woman, like, I feel like they might have, like, a leaky bladder. Some of them do, but not all of them. I don't know how many times okay, I have to say I know some I of proof, them. I, I know how I proof. There are adult diapers that are gen- generally made for old people totally who aware can't, of that. Who can't yes. control their bowels. Yes, there are there are some people. When you think of people who have to wear adult diapers, is it old people or anybody? Because don't lie, I know I think of an old person who can't control their bowels. Well, sure. But not all of them. But a lot. The opinions and views of Mavis do not reflect those of Esther and Mr. Lockwood. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 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 you just throw that out there. Also, she's 16, so she thinks everybody's old. Oh, my God. <laughs> Am I old? No. That's just because I don't poop my pants yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Once you start wearing diapers, then yeah. While Bailey recovered from the surgery in the hospital, he pondered over the events of that day back in 1951 when he saw the object and the strange men in the field. Also... The encounter with the townsfolk that said that they had seen him emerging from a craft. Could his illness be related to this incident? He would end up referring to his illness as flying saucer disease. (laughs) The doctor? No, (laughs) Mr. Bailey. (laughs) Instead of like illness unknown, it was just flying Flying saucer saucer disease. disease. (laughs) Yeah, I knew you'd like that. I do. Well, I can already tell that the rest of the story, he's not going to mention his abdomen ever again, which means it was just the gallbladder and he was, that was the problem. It's very possible. While at the hospital, he experienced visits by some kind of alien beings two nights in a row. Okay. In his room or like outside of a window? No, in his room. Ooh. They were small and had very distorted faces. After each incident, he'd wake up in the morning and feel exhausted. In 1966, he decided to start telling people about what had happened to him in 1951. Ah, 1966, 16 years later. Although, it seemed as though he could not remember a large chunk. So, since he forgot a lot of details, it sounds like maybe he made up a lot of stuff that he couldn't remember could be he even began putting ads in the paper asking if others had been subject to any similar experiences no one answered his ads oh i know poor mr bailey he should put it the ad on his tire he good <laughs> that point. is a very good point well by this time he's got 
the internal organs of a dead man. Right. An yeah. ancient dead man. Right. He began to think that he was the only one and that maybe he had just had a slip in his mental reality and that he had imagined it all. He's starting to sound more rational. Bailey wasn't hurt by the unsure feelings, but mostly just by the ridicule that came from sharing his story. Reporters began to write articles on him, and he frequently received patronizing letters. In 1968, he moves to Pasadena, California, and becomes a reverend. At this point, he begins sleepwalking and having vivid dreams that were hard for him to distinguish as reality or his mind playing tricks on him. These dreams always had two beings that were always trying to communicate a message to him. The message was always the same. Tell the American people about UFOs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a tall order there. During some of these episodes, he would argue with the creatures that he had been trying and was unsuccessful. He told them to try a different person, someone more reputable than him. Nonetheless, they always insisted that he had to be the one. On April 24, 1975, Reverend Bailey places another ad in the Los Angeles Times and once again urges any reader that may have information on flying saucers to contact him. Do you think he may have tried to become a reverend to come to some conclusion of what he saw since he didn't know what we saw to maybe try to ha- like use religion to explain what yeah. he saw or something? I, I absolutely think that's what happened. I think that he couldn't figure it out. Maybe it was really eaten at him and he thought you know it maybe like through god or religion i can try to figure out what happened to me mm-hmm. you know because I, I i'm sure if you if if his experience is truthful and real that would be scary you know? i think i believe it so far i do too i don't think it's like out of the question i mean honestly rolling the tire for 25 miles is way weirder than seeing a ufo if you yeah. ask me <laughs> like that's way more out of the question A few days later, he appears on a daytime talk show. It is at this point that some more credible people begin to contact him about his experience. One of these people was a woman named Anne Drufel. Anne was a representative for the Mutual UFO Network, or MUFON. Sounds legit. Mm -hmm. Wait, isn't it a website where people report alien encounters to? Yes, you are correct. She is the one who would initiate the investigation into Reverend Bailey's claim. Um, So this is a picture of Anne sitting with Reverend Bailey. They sat down together, and Bailey explained the whole encounter with her. They got out a map of the area that he had been in that day and attempted to locate the small town that he had come across that evening. The only town that made any sense for him to have stopped at was a spot in Illinois called Mokina. This was odd, however, because it was well off the path of his travel and seemed a little turned around. Anne arranged for a California physician named Dr. Bill McCall to hypnotically regress Bailey and try to account for his missing time back in 1951. Wait a minute. As they regressed the reverend to the stretch of highway he was walking, suddenly he shouted, 
right up there. They're waiting for me. What are waiting for you? asked the doctor. Bugs, Bailey replied. Lots of little bugs. They're about the size of a big frog. They're coming close to me, a lot of them, on both sides. Close enough to touch me. Frog hops, he cried. These are walking. The questioning continued as Reverend Bailey makes his way through the woods along the road. He sees the ship and then recalls being allowed to leave the craft and walking down the ramp to the ground below. He remembers getting off the ship, which was not in his original account. There seemed to be a lot to his encounter that he simply could not remember. Oh, nothing to say. Perfectly legitimate form of... (laughs) memory generation Mm -hmm. so far you've discounted this entire story (laughs) and conducted two years of research and collected lots of documents relating to reverend bailey's timeline over those few days she was only able however to get access to parts of his medical record because of the sleepwalking and other issues that seemed to plague him Anne referred him to a specialist who, with medication and therapy, was able to successfully lessen the reverend sleepwalking. The appearances of the beings continued. Not enough lithium. Reverend Bailey was convinced they weren't normal dreams. One day in the spring of 1978, Anne suggested that Bailey get or borrow a camera and keep it next to his bed in an attempt to capture some proof of the creatures or likewise dismiss them as dreams. See, I'm on Deborah's side. Her name's Anne. I'm on Anne's side. I know you are. If you can find one piece of the story that's demonstrably impossible, that's called fal- falsifiable. So, so wait, you find a way the story's not true or yeah, find so, a way that the story is not true and then explain why the argument you're trying to bring up doesn't explain what happened it's kind of the way science works which is the way anything that's true or not works is that you can say something's true but if you can find one only you only need one example that says that what is not true that means that it's that statement or that belief or whatever that this is true and you go, well, but what about this one thing that's definitely makes that not true? That means it's not true. You only need it's like the black swan principle. Well, that that could be you just not like believing you could say, people's okay, if I could I could say, Oh, my favorite food is pizza and you could say, Well, I don't believe that because there's so many other foods out there and you'd say, Well, you can believe it or not. Well, you can't I talk like about pizza. preferences. You have to talk about something that's like um objective. What do you not mean objective? subjective. How about all swans are white in the whole world? They used to think that. They used to go, it's absolutely certain that all swans are white. Mm-hmm. You need only find one black swan to prove that wrong for all time. And they found a black swan? Yeah, in Australia. So all those people that believe swans were white, they were wrong the whole time for hmm. for a long time. So that's how science works. Like You need only disprove one little tiny piece of a big theory. The thing is, is science can only disprove things. It cannot prove things. In the spring of 1978, Anne suggested that he get or borrow a camera and keep it next to his bed in an attempt to capture some proof of the creatures. 
He agreed, and in September of 1978, he purchased a Polaroid camera and two packages of film. So on November 1st, he got his chance. So I just brought up this map that Anne drew, and it is a map of the layout of his very small efficiency-style apartment that Mr. Bailey lived in. I will put this up on Facebook for everybody to look at. Poor guy's advertising career didn't take off, did it? He didn't have an overhead light. He had a movable lamp. Yeah, and it's plugged in clear in the kitchen. Yeah, he. uh, I think one of the things that makes this credible is that the guy obviously did not do any kind of benefiting off of this story because this apartment is literally one room. I just want you to get the idea of what his bedroom looked like. Okay. Okay. Reverend Bailey had been planning on attending a Halloween party that night, but ultimately decided that he was too tired and changed his mind. For this party, he had purchased two Halloween masks, one of a pirate and the other was of a clown. Gross. I don't like clowns. Agreed. Yeah, exactly. He had fallen asleep with ease when he was awakened and glanced at the window to see two disembodied heads watching him. They were quiet, and they were dimly lit by a light that Bailey had always left on in the bathroom. They didn't move or make any noise, and thinking that he was dreaming, went into the bathroom, splashed some water on his face, and walked back out. The heads were still there and still watching him. (laughs) <laughs> he began turning every light in the tiny efficiency apartment on. He could now see the heads clearly. They were brown in color, with no hair, and a slight hint of shoulders below the heads. Once again, the beings began to speak and demanded that Bailey spread the word. Again, he pleaded with them to find someone else because he had his own problems that he was dealing with and couldn't possibly help them. Bailey reached over for the camera sitting on the bookcase. Come on, give it to me. Give me the picture. It's just too Come good. on, <laughs> I gotta see it. <laughs> He's dying right now. <laughs> Bailey reached over for the camera sitting on the bookcase and asked the beings if they would let him take their picture. He said, the people that are interested in UFOs need scientific evidence. A picture would make your message more believable. (laughs) As if the super smart aliens didn't realize that. The heads looked at each other and agreed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that never occurred to me before. What do you think, Charlie? Oh, well. But only if Bailey would transcribe a message for them. (laughs) (laughs) He did as they asked, and after the lengthy message was finished, Bailey again asked to take their picture. They again agreed to this, but told him that they must first de-energize. He had no clue what that meant, but he waited for a full minute before he put his camera up to his eye. He snapped two pictures of the heads in front of the window, but they both turned out very dark and were less than impressive. He decided he'd better use the flash, but just then, one of the beings stated, If you're going to use the flash, give us something to hide behind, or else we might explode and harm you. (laughs) (laughs) 
what? <laughs> I know that happens to me when I I get hit with camera flash. Ooh. The way the the I way the might explode <laughs> and harm you. you I kind of look like I'm going to explode when the flash goes on in the cameras. <laughs> I was waiting for it. You delivered. Oh, oh. oh it's not over. <laughs> Is the picture good? <laughs> you got to just wait and see. <laughs> no. I thought that was the funniest thing. Uh, <laughs> They're like, hold I, up. <laughs> I may explode I and think hurt you. Mavis's reaction is going to be more entertaining to me than the actual photo. Yes, probably. Is that an insult? Nope. Nope. You're, just, you're <laughs> very animated. Uh, <laughs> he grabbed the Halloween masks and laid them on the table. <laughs> next. <laughs> oh, my God. I told God. you it was worth it. <laughs> All right. Oh, wait, yeah, really quick. For sure. I'm, okay. Oh, okay. Are we gonna be under impressed or impressed with these photos? You're gonna be overwhelmed. <laughs> okay. You're gonna be blown away. <laughs> you might well explode. There's gonna be little body parts flying all over. Maybe. He grabbed the Halloween masks and laid them on the table next to the bed. As he peered through the camera, he saw that the masks now seemed to have long, wispy legs. The eye holes that were empty cutouts now looked black. The whitish-gray legs hung over the edge of the table. Ready? What the? Okay, so this is the picture that Reverend Bailey took, but I will say that I looked at this picture for a long time, and I think that being taken with a Polaroid the way those legs kind of dissipate into nothing at the bottom is a little bit strange to me. And they look really um, skinny. Yeah, they almost look like they have tiny torsos with legs coming out. And there's there's even some arms Where coming out the Where are their heads supposed to be? Behind the masks. Oh. So they don't explode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Lockwood, what do you think about that photo? Don't you agree though those legs are oddly skinny? Well, I just think it's Why weird that they like What? Why would they not be legs? What or what are they? Their genitals? What? Why do you think they're body parts at all? Oh, what else would they be? Yeah. Could be anything. I mean, they had disembodied heads. So why wouldn't these be legs? How do you even wait. know there's a they there? What like tentacles wait. maybe? Wait, really quick. Um so there was just heads sitting there with no bodies, and then there was all of a sudden bodies? There's masks. Well, they went behind the masks. The heads went behind the masks. And then he, when he looked through the camera and took the picture, all of the like limbs were in the picture. But how did they just appear out of the head? Good question. <laughs> so it kind of looks like you're right. I guess they kind of could be like, tentacles like it looks like there could be a tentacle on the bench or whatever is right there yeah i don't know what this is it is very weird you have like no words Mr. yeah Lockwood. wait what yeah what do you think i think it's very likely that you have a camera effect that you're matching your story to we so you think he just took some weird pictures and they were like something happened so he just made up like a story but why do the legs taper off so much at the bottom right they like dissipate into thin air at the bottom which i think is very confusing so he says when he laid the masks on the desk they were laying like face up you know like flat and then when he took the picture they were now all of a sudden up because like the alien heads were in them and then the legs formed. and he, i thought he also said the alien head was brown and the bodies appear to be white 
Pia I don't know he took two more pictures both fairly identical because the beings were sitting very still Reverend Bailey asked if they could move a little so that all of the pictures didn't look the same. They did so and put their heads together in one of them and one crossed its legs. Quickly, without hesitation, one of the beings hopped down from the table and ran into the doorway to the bathroom. It seemed to be about four feet tall and Bailey was quick to follow it into the bathroom. The humanoid shape of the being had now changed into a brown fibrous ball that was squeezing its way into the wall or through the wall. Like it was Hmm. disappearing into the wall. So I guess maybe it can like retract its body parts into its head? Yeah, it seems like it's like some kind of spongy porous. That might be why it can take like a a squid-like shape. shape. Yeah, like a star shape. I have to say, I think this photo is weird. Oh, that's cool. It freaks me out. Also, I do not like the clown mask thing. Do you think (laughs) it could have been faked? Like, do you think it could be like stuffed sleeves? Oh, we'll get there. The bathroom was also now full of balls of light that he described as being a few inches in diameter and seemed to be floating around. As he watched them, he bumped one of the lights Suddenly, all of the lights were twirling around him. He then heard a voice say, This is important. Get a picture. He snapped the picture, and then the lights were gone. So here's a picture of the lights in the bathroom. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's a, a bright smudge on a black picture. Well, you can tell there's a wall there in the corner. Right. Yeah. That's it, about it. This doesn't look like much of... Well, Anything. why would there just be random light there right there, though, I guess? I, it could be a reflection from a light bulb in the other room off a shiny tile. I'm not really sure. Like, I really have no words for this picture. If when you at home hear this and look at this picture, let us know what you think of these pictures. They're, su- they're, they're kind of weird. Like, they're just weird. Yeah, we need some photo, photo person. Is there yeah. a picture, like, is there another picture of... A Polaroid of the aliens when they supposedly had their legs crossed or their heads together. No, I didn't. I will give you more information on these photos and how I came to have them and why there are no more. Reverend Bailey backed out of the bathroom, and as he did, the other being ran through the doorway. Bailey snapped a shot of the being silhouetted in the doorway between the rooms. What? I mean, head, weird, wispy arms, and kind of like a body. Huh. It kind of looks like a a shadow of like a baby. (laughs) That's my, it's like a toddler. Yeah. Way out of focus. Yeah, I mean, this, I honestly honestly think that the one with the masks is the most convincingly weird one. This could just be someone's shadow. It's not yeah. super convincing of anything. These are just horribly blurry. Well, and, and is this supposed to be a silhouette? Yeah. Bear in mind that these were taken in the 70s with a Polaroid. Uh, have you seen 70s Polaroid pictures before? They look pretty damn good. Okay. They well, don't look like this. These well, were, this was also in like the pitch black, right? It was dark in And these room. photos yeah. are in black and white too. So The Polaroids were in color. However, these were published in a magazine and were printed in black and white. Oh, so maybe that's why the legs of the creatures look white and not brown. 
I mean, maybe, but he said they were grayish white in color. Oh, okay. Bailey continued to take pictures, but all of them provided nothing of interest. So after everything kind of stopped, he kept taking pictures, and then they were just normal. They were, like, just of the room. The investigation. Anne, her colleagues, and a number of photograph and lighting experts thoroughly examined the Polaroids. Most were of the opinion that the photos had not been manipulated or edited in any way. Some believe that the way the lighting was illuminating objects in the room that evening could not have happened the way Bailey described. Others were less concerned with the lighting conditions and were able to replicate it. There were also attempts to replicate the pictures of the wispy limbed flowing from behind the masks. White pantyhose were used in some of these, but were not successful in creating the legs the way they seemed to flow or dissipate towards the ends. And I have that replication picture they tried to do. That looks nothing like what we saw. <laughs> no. no. I like that. I, um, I will say that this picture <laughs> is terrifying. <laughs> it's very, very creepy. Um, the mask looks like it's a Ronald Reagan mask or something. I'm not sure also, what it is. Also, the... But- uh, the eyes of the masks with the supposed aliens were black. Yeah. they Those were. eye holes are white. Yeah. I have to say trying to replicate the body and the legs was not successful. Like no. that's That's very clearly not the same thing. I'm more interested in what's happening over here, <laughs> to be honest. That's a ghost. Yeah, I think so. One of the experts even went as far to say that a little bit of the white showing on either side of the eye holes in the masks indicated that there were eyeballs looking out. You're here's right. the thing. You're telling me that floaty, spongy, monster eyeballs look like human eyeballs? They're aliens. I, f- I feel like they could make themselves look however they wanted. If it's a ball. Wow, it's like isn't a that sh- convenient? It's like a shape-shifting goo ball yeah. monster. Yeah, so it's just like this story. This story is a shape-shifting goo ball. That's a I don't, really This good is a lot more believable than Tony's story. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I, don't, I think I believe it so far. I, I think this is like unlike any other alien story I've ever heard. Yes, it's pretty wild. I agree. Move on. A few things to note before we move on to theories. This was a true account published as a two-part series in the April and May 1978 edition of Fate magazine. It was authored by Anne Drufel at the guidance of Reverend Bailey. In the two parts of the story, there are detailed accounts of Reverend Bailey up until these articles were published in 1978 and does not include the encounter at the apartment because it hadn't happened yet. The next article about Reverend Bailey, The Apartment Encounter, isn't published in Fate magazine until March of 1991. Why did it take 13 years to have this piece of the story published when it happened only six months after the initial article? Good question. I think so. I think that's really weird. Inquiring minds want to know. I also slogged through the internet looking for a picture of Reverend Bailey, the pictures that he took that night, or honestly, any other reference to him and his experience. I came up with nothing more than two articles 
the first being published in the Chicago Tribune in May of 2002, and the second in the Internet Archives of a UFO research newsletter from July of 1979, so just a year after it was originally in the magazine. The only additional piece of information I got from this was the hand-drawn map of Reverend Bailey's apartment. This was the only extra thing I could find. That's it. No other pictures. No update. It seems like the only photo evidence of this story I can find are the ones printed in Fate magazine. I was, however, able to verify that Andrew Full is a real person who has all of the credentials that she claims to. She has since passed away, and I'm really bummed out about that because I would have loved to have reached out to her and asked her about the lack of publicly available information yeah. on this case. I would have loved to have been like, why, is, why was there such a big gap mm-hmm. in the story? Were they investigating it the whole time? When or? did she die? Wasn't that long ago? Maybe, maybe like 2009. Oh, that was a little long ago then. Yeah. If you knew if he had any kids that you could ask about I do it. not. We know that he had a wife. Did you try to find any family members? Girl, I ain't hunting his family down. <laughs> I know you would love that. Yes. How about you hunt his family I down? I could get my dad to with his ancestry skills. Well, there you go. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I do know that it was mentioned that after this incident, he pretty much kind of quit talking about it entirely and just refused to talk about it anymore like he was Hmm. just done um so yeah i I think it's a really weird story do you believe it i do we'll get into that Uh, we'll get into our theories and i'll yeah and you guys can say what you believe and what you think all right so now we're gonna get into theories first theory was this all just a way to get people interested in mufon MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, was originally established in 1969. The very short description of what MUFON does is investigate sightings or encounters and push for awareness and release of government documents related to UFOs and extraterrestrial life. Awesome. Are they still doing it? Oh, yeah. MUFON? You can get on oh, yeah. the, you can get on the site and click on a map and look at all of the reported sightings all, all over. Currently, they have investigators and chapters in nearly every state. That being said, could MUFON have been just manufacturing most, if not all, of Harrison E. Bailey's encounter and publishing it to get people interested in their organization? That's a scandalous accusation. It seems odd that they would have had such a gap between Reverend Bailey's initial story and the encounter that happened a mere six months after it. What do you guys think? So you were saying, do you think that they were just trying to make the story sound so exciting to get people to just be like, oh, wow, like I have to read more on the site and stuff yeah. like that. and see. Yeah, to get them involved I with it. I see what you mean because of how shortly after they were established, the story came out. Yeah. But that photo is just... I, I keep going back to that photo too. It's weird. And the also, other photos like, are not even interesting. Even though even though they're not interesting, I feel like they then would have tried to make fake photos and the fact that they still were like, okay, they still use these photos even though 
there was nothing to them to show like okay but this is still something you know do you know what right. i'm saying like i feel like i feel like if it was a fake story they would have the photos would be like oh that's so like that main one was really weird but like this one even though it's kind of crappy it's like why would they why use would a you put it photo? in right yeah. and i even think the one of the light is it's just like a light you it's think there's inconsistencies even... between the first version of the story and the second part of the story no is that what you're saying no, I don't that, know. Like maybe it wasn't his story on the second time around. I mean, maybe, maybe that's why there was such a big gap between the two stories. But if then if they were trying to get someone's attention, they would have made really convincing photos, not showing a shadow barely casted on a wall. Do you think you could take yourself outside the story and tell me what you would think if you saw that photo with the legs? With Just no, no context. context. If someone showed you, if I showed you the photo and said, what do you think this is? I would say that it's freaky as shit and I don't want to look at it anymore. (laughs) It is, um, I mean, you can deduce a few things from looking at it. Like, okay, it's old. I think the biggest things I've noticed is the masks and and why the legs look so weird. I would say, like, what is up with those white things hanging out of those masks, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, what is that? Because you can see on the right side of the frame, there's, there's also, like, something thrown on a bookcase that looks like a coat it looks like fabric and those legs do not look like that so i don't know that picture baffles me i think it's really strange yeah um where did you find those pictures at the only pictures i could find anywhere were in that fate magazine anywhere or i bet they're in somebody's basement tucked away and some sort of box in like one of bailey's granddaughters uh, attics yeah uh that would be crazy awesome could something real have caused reverend bailey's physical ailments one such theory is high doses of electromagnetic radiation or microwave radiation researchers that worked on bailey's case saw certain clues that led them to believe that this might be the case his goose is cooked Cramping or pain at the back of the neck and prickling down his back. The trance-like feeling that he had while standing in front of the ship and then feeling hot and like his body was vibrating. And finally, the extreme feeling of heaviness and aching pain all over, followed by intense stomach pains. Radiation sickness. Prickling in unprotected areas of the body happens during low levels of radiation from a distance. Microwave radiation could disturb muscular response and cause paralysis in addition to feeling warm and like the body was vibrating. His legs felt heavy and hard to move, theoretically due to slowly pulsed microwave field. This can also cause memory loss. The painful stomach trouble that Bailey experienced pretty much from the time of the encounter until the end of his life could be a chemical change in his digestive organs due to microwave exposure. Okay, well, I mean, that's somewhat plausible. This theory is simply stating that he encountered something that exposed him to radiation, but not necessarily a UFO. And due to the radiation could cause ailments, and lack of sleep caused Reverend Bailey to sleepwalk and have strange dreams or even realistic Mm. hallucinations. There you go. The thing about microwaves is they're typically, they are surface level. So the Army actually has a microwave weapon that burns your skin. 
But if you were exposed to microwaves, it wouldn't just be like a, would not be cooking your kidneys. It would be frying your skin on the outside. There's other spectra of radiation. Maybe his organs weren't like There's other spectra aged? of radiation like x-rays that go through you. Like microwaves stop at the surface of your skin possibly feel giving you a very intense feeling of burning and vibration and whatever right this would have to be a whole spectrum to be cooking his organs and if he had that much radiation damage like he definitely would have melted like about three weeks later (laughs) or gotten massive amounts of cancer my question was for both of you is if you could go back and you were that reporter from mufon what details would you have reverend bailey used to prove his story was true and and or put into fate magazine i feel like it would be almost impossible to prove it yeah it would be i mean i, I don't know that there's any like aside from him having a picture of the spaceship in the field that day um you know i mean if he does have some kind of radiation sickness from it the problem with the radiation thing i think in relation to the ufo is that just because he has radiation sickness or illness from that or problems or complications from coming in contact with something, who's to say he came in contact with a UFO? What if he just came in contact with something else? What else gives off that high amounts of radiation? Yeah, what would be nat- like Not in a lot the of environment? naturally. Right. So, I mean, there's a notch in the believability because if he really was dosed with that high of radiation, then it kind of had to come from something weird, right? Yeah. Some, yeah. I mean, he wasn't just walking by, you know, like somebody's house that was radiating microwave. No. You know? Yeah. He lived a long age, to a long age. So he was not exposed to enough radiation. It's very unlikely to be exposed to radiation enough to where your internal organs are now three times your age, yet you don't have, you know, horrible permanent damage and or like massive cancer and all sorts of other things. Well, maybe he did have cancer and we just don't know it. Stomach cancer because he complained of that from the day the UFO sighting happened. Yeah, but that's like all your organs. Everything in your whole body would just like dissolve and melt over time. Like when you suffer that much radiation damage. Well, maybe they kind of were. Maybe that's why it was all messed up in there. But when you do get exposed to ionizing radiation, you don't feel it. Oh, no prickling or burning maybe just a little but it depends because it just it just depends on the type of radiation is what i'm saying okay i mean that makes sense i didn't really know there's i didn't i didn't know there was different types of radiation there's a whole spectrum of radiation so i guess to you mr lockwood do you think that the explanation i gave you kind of encompasses what he was experiencing do you think that the radiation could have and you know, the ailments from the lack of sleep could have caused him to do the sleepwalking and have strange dreams and hallucinate. Do you think that all know. could have been like a side effect? That's a lot of conjecture. It's a lot of, yeah, it's, yeah, you're not wrong. I really don't know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Is it possible? Sure. That's why this <laughs> is called possible. the theory section. Yeah. <laughs> all right, final theory. You ready? Yeah. It's real. It's all <laughs> real. <laughs> You know I love to end a story yeah. this way. Reasons why it could be real. I have no reason not to believe him. He didn't gain financially. 
He lived in a very small efficiency apartment. He seemed like a hardworking, well-liked, humble guy by people that knew him. I just don't have any definitive proof that it didn't happen. Also, that he kind of turned to religion after this for and we don't know why it could have been to explain what he saw yeah maybe to try to help deal with the problems he was having you know right so just like mentally maybe he was like i need something to believe in because i feel lost yeah in this situation i think that's a good point also stating that he wasn't comfortable for a while explaining what happened because he didn't think he was a credible enough person for people to believe right and and he did act really like nervous about telling people and then when he did start trying to find people like nobody really got back to him and then when some people did he ended up on like a daytime talk show and then this lady from MUFON came and like you know interviewed the heck out of him and researched all this stuff and I mean it sounds like she went through the ringer trying to verify Mm -hmm. his story so I just don't actually have any reason for Mr. Bailey specifically to have fabricated this, mm-hmm. you know. I think it was a lot more, it caused him a lot more trouble than it did he gained from it, you mm-hmm. know. Why do you think the story wasn't discussed more any, on any other platforms or anything? I have no idea. Um, that is maybe the weirdest part of this story is the lack of information on it. I think that is a, it is a cool story, like his backstory. Yeah, not it's not just like oh, I was at my house in the middle of nowhere, and aliens came and took me out of my barn and my cow Buford, I don't know my yeah. <laughs> Buford, and then took me back, and I came back and I was missing my right butt cheek. Right, like this yeah. was like a. <laughs> No, this was like I decided not to go to a Halloween party, so the aliens came to party at my place. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. That's, that's kind of what it was. That kind of leads to my next question. What do you think about him intrigued the aliens? If this did happen, why were they so insistent on him spreading the word that they were real? And what would they gain with people believing aliens were real? And specifically, they kept saying, tell Americans yes which is really strange right like why wouldn't you be like tell the world yeah nope just specifically americans because they do not believe hard enough i guess i can see that because i feel like cultures especially like countries in europe ufos and paranormal activity is really prominent especially in like older history where like there's you know drawings and caves of weird beings there's a lot of ufo activity in like ancient chinese culture right. american indian culture well, i think other cultures don't deny it as much as i our think americans does. believe it far more than anyone else i think that our government just denies it to us constantly so i think other governments in other countries are more open about it they're mm-hmm. kind of like well, yeah, there's some well weird i've shit read like i've read that remember when we were looking into like the dover demon and stuff and the one story about the girl saying she saw the weird thing in the parking lot and how her family's Native American and they've kind of always acted like, oh yeah, you know, creatures like this are just part of the land. It's just part of the landscape and it's not strange and it's not weird. So I guess I can agree with you that maybe since we are told no so much, we find whatever inkling of evidence we can and other cultures are so accepting of it. It's like, yeah, you know, it's right. it's whatever. They're so these there. aliens were like, believe more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I I think your questions are good. I maybe ha- if you believe hard enough, they'll come about come around. Yeah. No, thank you. Maybe yeah. that's what it I'm is. I'm gonna be sleeping in my mom's room again. Yes. 
pass. We'll wake up and she'll be under our bed. <laughs> Question is, okay, he's taking pictures of them. They got to put their mask on so they don't explode. But <laughs> then they turn around, go in another room, and he takes a picture of them, of the back of them, the side of them. Why don't they explode? Right. It's something maybe seems to do with like their face. But think of this is what? this is a how do you know? I'm just making up theories. That would be the only one that would work. Yeah. Okay. Right? Here's That's why I don't also, like having my picture taken. <laughs> <laughs> I look. I might explode. <laughs> my face I, might explode. I look like I'm about to explode, and photos to flash on with me. <laughs> they said that they had to de-energize. They like used that word. So my thought was kind of. <laughs> okay. My thought was kind of like, what if there's some kind of energy creature that has to keep their energy level at a certain level, and the flash would have literally just filled them with so much energy but why are they, they just there They're, it's actually kind of a little different than most stories he starts out with the actual detail and then he like follows it up in the next part of his story with a, a less relevant detail but that it, it shifts things a little bit well it seems like they can from the part of them kind of shape-shifting into a blob and floating through the wall it seems like they it can seems like they can do that well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe they can grow into a humanoid finger. I'm saying it's suspicious that that wasn't mentioned but earlier. you know what is consistent? Them needing to shield their face. The only thing that's yeah. consistent is the changing of details over and over, and they don't stay consistent. Maybe maybe if- these are diverse aliens. <laughs> yeah. I he, Here's the thing about uh, Reverend Bailey's aliens, okay? They are unlike any alien that I've ever ha- heard described in one of these stories. Mm-hmm. True. Which I really like. Yes. Um, he's very specific about like what they look like and what they're saying and the message they're trying yes, to convey. Yes, he is. But every time he describes, they're much specifically different than the last time. That's my complaint. Maybe there's just all times of different aliens. But the only thing that remained consistent through the whole story was their message. The thing is, I, I can't necessarily agree with you on the them looking different each time because you have to keep think people look different people of different heights well, and all saying, things like that i think that the like heads were the same yeah i think that they were just capable of like, kind of like morphing morphing like an energy ball yeah i really want to see more than anything than the aliens i want to see him and his get up rolling the tire that is why I tried looking for pictures of him. I tried Googling him. Yeah. I looked all over because I... You think I, he would have been kind of famous. Yeah, I thought maybe I'd find a historic picture of him yeah. rolling this advertising yeah, tire. Yeah. Maybe it's like town lore Go or something. Go look up with a microfiche. They may have a historical little museum there, too, that may yeah. have a picture of him, yeah. mm-hmm. which would be cool. There would have yeah. to be. Yeah. If he was really doing this. Yeah. That's such, I've never heard of anything like that before. I love it. I love the idea of it. It's, like, it's so 50s. Like Every small a, town like Gary or like ours yeah. would be like, this is something that makes us special. Here it is. Here's a picture. It would absolutely be kept. Whoever owned that baseball team and wherever it morphed into, I guarantee you they got to have some memorabilia well, of have, a picture with him. When you he know? got to the yeah, finish line and shook hands with the owner. Yeah, of course There's, that would be a picture somewhere. Then why can't I find that? I don't know. That is the government thing. doesn't want you to know. Why would they not want us to know about Mr. Bailey? I don't know. <laughs> or instead of true. it being true, it's all not true. Which leads me to the question, mm-hmm. what the hell happened? <laughs> <laughs> what what the hell is happening right now? What's okay? I'm so sure. I'll start, <laughs> Mr. Lockwood. I want what you think happened or what you believe is true or not true first. 
I think the most likely thing is it's not true. What is the most believable part of the story? Um, the tire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we don't have photographic evidence of this tire. No, we don't. We do, however, have photographic evidence of the aliens. I do think that the, the <laughs> tail end story has is quite a disconnect from the first from version. The original. I, I feel like that he... If he did tell it, first person with the tire feels like it like makes sense and it feels genuine and it's like it, 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 and then this happened to me and I don't remember most of it. Yeah. yeah, but with that disconnect of time, it feels like something's kind of like lost in yeah. translation. If I wish there was a relative that you know knew him personally, whether they're a grandchild of his or something, or Gary, Indiana, anybody in Indiana, if you're listening, and. You can find me a photograph of Mr. Bailey rolling the tire. Yeah. That would be amazing. I have a feeling you'll know it when you see it. Yeah. It, it's, it's not going to take a lot of work to no. go, oh, is that really him? Because yes. it's going to be the only guy. He'll have a hat, yeah. goggles, and gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, I would like for you to weigh in on this story. After you listen to this, get on Facebook, check out the pictures, and comment to let us know your thoughts on this story. You guys want to say goodbye? Sayonara. Bye. Bye. Do you have a story that's weird or fascinating? Would you like to have your story read at the end of an episode? If so, please send your story to wthh.podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing your stories. If you'd like more episodes and bonus content, join Patreon to become a member. If you liked our episode, please remember to like, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.